What's up, Jeff? Trey, how you doing? I'm good. How was your hermitocracy? Hermit, uh, how was watching the game by yourself last night? It was absolutely fantastic. And I actually, I said I, I, said I was going to go hermit. I got that most of the day. They went over to a friend's house. Um, wife and kid went over to a friend's house probably around like 2.30 or 3. Oh, wow. So I had the, I had the two TV set up going. Well, because they knew they weren't going to stay the whole game just because the kids kids are young. And I mean, that game, even even if it hadn't gone to overtime, would have still ended around what? It went to overtime around 9.30 or something. Yeah. So they went over there about 2.30. And I got my, you know, a couple of my chores, my, my honeydew type things done and all that. Had the pregame on my small TV, the golf on my big TV, flipped that over at about 5.15 Got absolutely smacked around on my bets, but didn't matter because the golf, like I was, I was in heaven. I know I sound like such a loser right now, but I had the Phoenix open on the small TV, which went to a playoff between Nick Taylor and Charlie Hoffman, an awesome epic playoff at that. And that, that tournament's great. Even on Super Bowl Sunday, there were still tons of people there watching uh, great energy. And then I had the Super Bowl when the game actually started on the big TV and yeah, got to got to watch that down the stretch. I think the playoff finally ended on the second playoff hole, like with a couple minutes left in the second quarter. So then started firing up the frozen Detroit style pizza at halftime. That was excellent. Just ate some some air fryer leftovers or heat up some leftovers uh, in the air fryer there. Family came back right before halftime. Got to watch the halftime show with them. Jace was all about the usher. Got a cool video of him dancing around i mean we were we were having a little a uh, little party in the in the living room there put him to bed for the second half got to watch the second half with the wife epic super bowl so Beautiful. yeah it's like well congratulations on getting your perfect super bowl watch party i did the only bad part about the super bowl was that afterwards i was you know obviously enjoyed how awesome that game was but then had to remind myself like Oh wait, you're the dumbass that roots for the Raiders. That dude's 28 years old, quarterback in the Kansas City Chiefs. He's got three Super Bowls. You're gonna have to deal with his ass for another what? Probably at least 10 years, maybe more. Dad bod's gonna break down if he doesn't get it together. Dad bod is gonna break down in his early to mid 30s. He's not gonna carry the career all the way into his mid 40s like Brady did. All right, if it breaks down at 35 at this rate, he might have nine Super Bowls by then. So true. Yeah. Not that uh, I actually think think that's going to happen. Not to distract from the Super Bowl, did I? But did I see PGA players complaining about fan behavior at the Phoenix Open? Yes, I'll I'll give my I'll give my two cents on this. I think it I think it finally went a little over the top. I mean, there were some of those videos that were out there were were like just too much. But some of these fans were, I mean, stupid, insanely sloppy drunk. It was that event has gotten so big, it's gotten so mainstream, and I think this is the full swing effect too. Part of it is if you watched full swing last season, it, you know people. It was still kind of niche, like hey, Phoenix Open. There were still some golf fans that would, you know, some kind of casual golf fans or even non-golf fans that knew about it and would go. And it was a popular big event. Sixteen with the stadium set up, the par three that's grown over the years. But I think the full swing Netflix series took it over the top. They apparently were not even checking tickets on Saturday because Whoa. the security security was so overwhelmed. I had a buddy that went 
and they paid and he said they barely got in, but there were people that didn't pay that got in because security couldn't check bags in time. They couldn't, you know, manage the crowds. Um, and there were people that paid for tickets that didn't get into the event on Saturday. Like that's insanity. And some of the stuff people were doing like, all right, one or two drunk, sloppy people. Like we get it. It happens. It happens at football games. It was a little over the top. Like some of the stuff I, I thought was happening now in today's social media era, what I have done, what Zach Johnson did and Billy Horschel did, which is a speed speed dropped an F bomb at the crowd. A, a what the F like, I don't know if I would have done that, but I understand their, their frustration. Yeah, because you go a little bit Shooter McGavin when you're responding like that to a tournament where that some level of that behavior is acceptable. Yeah, and like you're gonna get heckled a little bit at at that event. You kind of know that going in. I think the guys understand that they know it going in. That's why when I look at this tournament every year and I try to make picks, I go, "Who's gonna really embrace that atmosphere?" Because it's gone from it just being like that on 16 where they boo you if you don't hit the green. And if you hit the green, they boo you if you don't make your birdie putt. We <laughs> saw, you saw Texas X, Doug Gim on Friday. He went, he birdied it round one, birdied it round two. And it was his last hole before they suspended it for, for darkness on Friday. And he made a birdie five footer lost his effing mind, like threw it into the crowd was like pumping the crowd up and you can see him getting into it. And then you can at one point see his face change and be like, what the hell did I just get myself into? People started throwing stuff onto the green. They're like throwing cups out there. And I I think it just reached another level this year of of popularity. Like I said, because I'm I'm pretty sure it's because of full swing and social media. I think that's a great theory there. As far as the Super Bowl goes, I texted you once during the game, trying to be mindful of uh your your desire to be in isolation and it was to credit your guy. You're <laughs> not really your guy. You're, you're the, uh, the biggest Brock Purdy defender. I know and rightfully so by the way, because Brock Purdy was sharp to start that game, perhaps to San Francisco's detriment too, because Kyle Shanahan became way too reliant on throwing the football in the third quarter, which is when that offense ran out of steam. And as a result, the 49ers defense, which has been so good at befuddling Patrick Mahomes in the first half, they started to run out of the steam too. And you can tell by the end of that game, not only overtime, but also in the fourth quarter, that the 49ers defense was desperately searching for answers, which short of a gas mask on the field was not going to be found, which helped lead to a back-to-back ship for Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. I, I was... Uh devastated i didn't get to send out my brock purdy tweets i mean i had i had some good ones in the draft so i was gonna drop a wow brock purdy managed the hell out of that game some i had something like that cooked up oh i had the whole i was ready to come on here and 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 drop the uh you know i can't believe brock purdy fumbled when they had a great opening drive going oh wait that was christian mccaffrey God, I can't believe Brock Purdy couldn't stop Patrick Mahomes. Oh, wait, that was the defense. I can't believe Brock Purdy had two special teams gaffes, one that went off his foot and then Ray Ray McLeod couldn't recover. Oh, wait, that was another dude. So on, so on, so on. Blocked extra point. point, Blocked extra point. Yeah, there, there were a laundry list of things that cost San Francisco yesterday. Brock Purdy is low on that list. 
thank you. And it's just, it's just so ridiculous. Like, and again, a lot of it is, is, you know, people have these takes on some of these, some of these shows, not, not talking about Texas sports unfiltered, but more the, the national media. And I think they just have takes about the Brock, the Brock Purdy thing is just something where it's like, Hey, I'm going to get engagement and I'm going to get people. I'm going to, I'm going to get people riled up if I have this take, you know, but you you just can't have, you, you can't believe that anymore. I mean, the dude, I don't know how he didn't shut everybody up from this performance. And look, he's not Patrick Mahomes. No one ever said he was Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't need to be Patrick Mahomes for that team. And he made some ridiculously good, accurate touch throws. Uh, but what it really came down to was if you want to knock them on offense and, and maybe Purdy falls into this slightly, they couldn't pick up the blitz. Like they couldn't manage the blitz. That's what it came down to on those big plays where when they had a chance to knock out this Chiefs team, which is what you have to do. If you are, we've seen this before. If you're going to beat the Chiefs, especially in the playoffs, you can't hit them with a couple big punches, a couple big haymakers early. You have to knock the living shit out of them and win the game. And the Niners did basically, they did every bit of that. They had the Chiefs down on the mat and just couldn't get the final punch in. And when you don't, nine times out of 10, that's the result that you're going to get. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, the brilliance of Andy Reid, the brilliance of Steve Spagnuolo on the defensive side, calling call the defense for them. You're, 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 but especially Mahomes and Reid, you're, you're going to get got. And that third down at the end of the game, when it was what, 16-16? Chiefs had two timeouts, so there would have been a chance left. But if they get that third and four, if they pick that up, the game's probably over. Yep. The game's probably over and they're probably running Christian McCaffrey three times, kicking a field goal to go up 1916 and kicking it off to the chiefs who have no timeouts with, you know, I don't know, uh, maybe 30 seconds left. So, and again, not that they would have knocked him out with a touchdown in overtime. We, maybe we can talk about that in a minute too, of just the strategy of this new playoff overtime. Cause yeah. I'm not sure that I would have chose to receive in that situation, but but yeah, I mean, Trey, I think that comes down to you, you have to knock those guys out. Yeah, so as far as the overtime decision goes, knowing the rule, I understand why somebody would still receive the first kickoff because if it stays tied after each team has a possession, it's sudden death after that. And so theoretically, you get the ball back right there. Now, Kansas City said... And what was pretty telling for both teams when San Francisco was admitting they didn't realize what the rule was and Kansas City's like, yeah, we've had a meeting about that every week in the playoffs and twice between the conference championship round and the Super Bowl. Uh, they, they said after the fact that their plan, if they got the ball second and San Francisco had scored a touchdown, was to go score a touchdown and they were going for two. Like There was no question about that. So I guess that's how you defend against the idea of the other team getting a ball back again with a chance to score to win. But um, yeah, San Francisco is not ready for that. And that unfortunately for Kyle Shanahan is an indictment on the head coach and a head coach who has now been a part of three teams in the Super Bowl who are leading by double digits at least. Now the Atlanta New England game was much more than that. Who ultimately succumbed to the opposition. Yeah, I, I struggle a little bit with the narrative of the blown leads with Shanahan. I mean, I get that it's going to follow him around, and I think that's fair to an extent, but 
28 to three against Tom Brady and the, and the Patriots. He was the offensive coordinator. Was the play calling the best? No, the defense could have gotten a stop. Your head coach was Dan Quinn, a defensive minded head coach. Get one damn stop. Like again, Kyle Shanahan deserves a piece of the blame, piece of the blame pie for that. If you want to give him, I mean, obviously he deserves more for the one couple years later and he was a head coach against the chiefs, but also in hindsight now, like in that moment, did everyone know that we were watching, you know, goat junior, <laughs> a TB 12 junior, not necessarily in the way they play, but in the way they are effective at the end of games, their effectiveness laid and just kind of that magic that they have. And Patrick Mahomes, clearly that's, that's going to be something we talk about moving forward is, you know, can he actually, or how close can he get to Tom in terms of accomplishments? And that, that goat conversation will, will continue, but back to Shanahan for this game, you didn't like, to me, it's, it's not blowing a 10 point lead. If it was a 10 point lead in the second quarter, that's not blowing. That's not blowing a lead. Like, all right. Like I said, in 2020, 10 point lead in the fourth quarter, maybe that's a little bit different Two possessions. You should find a way to win those games. If you want to win the Super Bowl, of course, but guys, a 10 point lead in the second quarter, like, if you really think that you never played football or you don't know that much about it and you haven't watched that much of it, if you think a 10 point lead in the second quarter is blowing it, like, I don't know. Am I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going over the top on that, but no, it's a fair response. It was fair. 10 to three at halftime, right? It was like uh, Kansas city got the ball to start the second half. Also. I don't, I don't think they did anything with that, but to the point of him blowing any sort of lead, that's not blowing a lead. <laughs> Offensive futility like that through an entire quarter that bled over into the fourth quarter, three, three and outs where you're passing the ball eight times and running it once when Christian McCaffrey is your running back is uh, that's going to be a tough one for 49ers fans to swallow through, through next season and beyond, probably until they actually win a Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan or somebody else. Well, it felt like he, he outthought himself in that situation. And back to the point that I made at the start of this Super Bowl chatter, Rock Purdy probably caused him to reconsider what he wanted to do in the third quarter too and lean a little bit more on the passing attack. But at that point, if nothing else in an effort to utilize your best player, which Christian McCaffrey is, and look, they got him 30 touches in the game. But if not Christian McCaffrey, or maybe he gets five more carries in the third quarter and you're going to Elijah Mitchell a little bit more in the fourth quarter, there shouldn't have been a quarter that Christian McCaffrey was light on work. Let's just say. And they did that in the third quarter. They did that coming out of the locker room at halftime. I mean, that's fair. I, and again, the, the criticism's fair there. The point you bring up about that many, what, three straight three and outs. Yeah, that's not great, especially when you're trying to separate. And to my point earlier, you're trying to knock out the dynasty of our era post Patriots that's not going to get it done. So he deserves criticism on that front. Again, I just think the blown lead stuff is a bit of a mischaracterization. I mean, it was, it's a mischaracterization, mischaracterization. If I can get that out and not have a stroke in this game and those other two games, it's uh, it is a little bit more valid in this game. You're right though. The double digit lead being in the second quarter. It's still a double digit lead technically, but it's also before halftime. It's like a, 
two-goal lead in the NHL in the first period. Yeah, it's before halftime, and it's against the greatest quarterback, again, of our generation, post-Patriots. Like, I mean, that's it. how many teams didn't win championships, didn't win a finals, didn't win a World Series, didn't win a, you know, a Super Bowl, like, like talk baseball, because of Jeter's Yankees, because of, in basketball, Michael Jordan, in you know, that next era, the next, you know, the 21st century early on because of Kobe and Shaq and the Lakers. Like there's so many good teams that don't win championships because there's a dynasty in their way. And that doesn't mean that it's not fair to, to criticize them. But in this case, like, I, I agree with everything you guys are, I agree with everything you're saying. I agree with you know, a lot of the commenters and stuff too. Like, yeah, that stigma is going to, it's going to carry, it's going to follow Shanahan around of, 0-3 in Super Bowls, 0-2 as a head coach, 0-1 as a coordinator. And then again, the way they happened, especially the ones leading up to this, I, I, I do understand that. But I think you, you kind of, you reach a point eventually where you sort of have to tip your cap and the rest of us have to acknowledge like that we're what, what we're watching is, is just greatness. And I think they did basically everything they needed to do to win that game. I didn't leave like your criticism is probably the most apt and the most fair of that third quarter, not being whenever, when they pulled away. I mean, then I picked on the moment of third and four when they could have ended it there, but in terms of a bigger sample size, more opportunities throughout the game where it could have changed the way the game was played. I think yours is, is what you said about the third quarter is probably the best. So again, I, I left that. I, I didn't leave that going like, wow, this is some big indictment on Kyle Shanahan. I just didn't. So I, I agree with you that the, uh, the I don't know if you call it the most damning aspect of this for San Francisco, but what killed San Francisco in that game was not Shanahan, first and foremost. Like he's, again, talking about that list. He's on the list somewhere. But the list starts with the, one was a fluky turnover, but the, uh, the, the, Punt that ends up getting recovered by the Chiefs deep in San Francisco territory that allows that was fluky to too though. It was very fluky. It was that was football gods or whatever else you want to call that. It was just a fluke play. Christian McCaffrey fumbling like he did. Like KC made a decent play on that ball. That was just a weird fumble for him. He's not a guy that coughs it up. And it. <laughs> Other than Christian McCaffrey, who did have 160 yards on 30 total carries, so he's over five yards a touch there. All the other lauded skill guys for San Francisco on offense did jack fucking shit. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jennings was the second best skill guy for them yesterday. He had the receiving touchdown. He also had the passing touchdown to McCaffrey early in the game. He might have been MVP had they won. You, you might be right about that. Actually... Uh, I think by pr they probably still would have given it to McCaffrey, but I would have completely understood the argument for Jennings. Ayuk was okay. Debo Samuel, shockingly, hurts his hamstring. He ends up coming back in the game in the fourth quarter. He was okay. George Kittle had two catches for four yards in that game. So the other guys who supposedly made, made Brock Purdy look so good throughout the course of the year, they didn't do their damn jobs. And yeah, the, the offensive line struggled at times. And part of that is Spagnolo and his desire to get blitzers after the quarterback. Now they did point this out on the broadcast too. I think it was Romo who did. And 
Romo, who still just is saying bizarre things on these broadcasts sometimes. He actually did say something that I thought was dead on with regards to Brock Purdy recognizing where the blitz was coming from and making the necessary adjustment. He didn't do that a couple of times. And that included that third and four, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, where he had a guy right in his face. He did, but that, I mean, he had no chance on that. Like, there was a free blitzer that was unblocked. It it was free, but you knew that he was going to bring the house, too. So you needed to have some sort of contingency plan there. And he threw it right at the blitzer. Yeah, but that's one where we kind of have to be in the film room, too, to understand, like, should he have picked that up ahead of time? Was it so well disguised that, you know, by, by Spags that, you just couldn't have picked it up. Like that's, that's stuff where, again, maybe if you have a more experienced quarterback, like maybe year five, and I think Romo said something like this in a different moment, maybe year five Brock Purdy picks up a blitz like that and knows, Hey, they're sending this guy and he changes the protection. Right. But again, I'm not gonna start the Brock Purdy thing again, but the, the, the whole thing oh, is, no, come on, come on. No, let's but, go. But, okay. But Trey, any other guy, any other guy in their second year, We'd be like, like if that happens to CJ Stroud next year in a playoff game, like, ah, oh, second year guy, like he'll get that figured out next time. Or, you know, it's like this whole thing with Brock Purdy where the guy with, that should have the least expectations placed upon him has outplayed the feel good part of the story and now has to over exceed expectations that we put on first round picks. Dude's in his second year. He hasn't even been a full start. That was his first full season as the starter. Like, why is why is that all on him? It's not yeah. all on him. I just said it wasn't all on him. I said oh, it was I know. more on the skill guys around him. Just like, I don't know how you could leave that game, and not you particularly, but a lot of other people, I'm still seeing this, could leave that game and say anything about Brock Purdy and have, and say, have anything to say that it was at all his, like, he was an issue. Yeah, he was not the no. he was not nearly as much of an issue on offense as plenty of other guys. He made freaking plays. He, he made, made some plays. unbelievably accurate throws. He made plays, especially in the first half. He was not as good in the second half, but part of that is on the plays being called, and part of it is on his playmakers not doing their damn jobs either. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And the 49ers defense wearing down. Like they were playing with their hair on fire in the first half. Holmes was completely uncomfortable back there. They scored three points in the first half, and without that fluke fumble, it would have been a zero burger. And I would have won more money in my squares league, damn it. What squares did you have? I had zero zero. So oh, I, would have, no. I would have had two straight quarters of winning. I would have been 800, 800 fat ones to be spent on the family in some way, shape, or form. Zero was- zero. Yeah, I was real close to uh, my $100 squares league. Uh, Seven for San Francisco, zero for KC. I was praying for a deep ball at the end of the first quarter. That would have been a (laughs) nice payday. Then you would have lost the other one. It was for less money, I guess. It was for less. Yeah, that was only a $20 square square league. So, yeah, it would have – I would have taken it either way. I I broke a little bit positive on the $200 worth of squares that I bought. Uh, But, uh, yeah, so – the uh, 49ers defense was playing awesome in the first half, and unfortunately, they just couldn't keep that pace up. It was impossible. And that defensive line, which has been maligned for not doing a good enough job through their first two playoff games, they met that criticism with their best half of 
football all year, perhaps. But unfortunately, that really started to dwindle in the second half, and they just had nothing left in the tank in overtime. Yeah, and you would have liked, I mean, for sure, that by the by, by the time it got to overtime and even that drive when they kicked it back to Mahomes at the end where they almost won it in regulation, there was just no effective pass rush at all. And again, what puts Mahomes a notch above everybody else amongst a number of things is how good he is against the blitz. Like almost every other quarterback in the history of football, you would say blitz him and he's going to be worse. And Mahomes, it almost feels like the opposite. It's like the more you blitz him, the better he's going to get. He had that one throw where he was backing up, threw it off his back foot and they sent a ton of dudes. And I think he hit rice on like a crosser over the middle for a first down. And then some, you're just like, man, if you're sending that and you're, I mean, they really, they got home and affected the throw a little bit, but that's the thing is he's so deadly accurate from really any platform and any angle that like, it doesn't matter if you're affecting the throw, if you're not getting him on the ground, which again, kind of goes, I'm not comparing Penix, Michael Penix to Patrick Mahomes here. That's kind of what we saw with Texas too. When they played Washington was everyone was like, well, the pressure, the pressure. Well, guys, the pressure doesn't mean anything. If the guy can make off platform throws and you're not getting him on the ground or hitting him. And they hit Mahomes a couple of times, like Bosa got some pretty big hits on him uh, here and there. But they really didn't hit him enough to to affect him. And obviously the dude is tough as nails. But that's one thing that I've always admired about Mahomes. And it's only gotten better as his career's gone on and will only get better as he gets even more experience and somehow could get even more confident than he already is now. Is that when you blitz him, it's almost a fool's errand. Like he he basically bucks like every piece of conventional wisdom you would think about stopping a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, they pointed it out last night, and Bosa actually did a really good job of this, even as they were starting to tire out, to not let him get to the outside, to keep him contained, and to force him to just go either take steps further back before he's going left or right, or just keep him in that pocket altogether. And then sometimes you have some success getting him, but he is extremely elusive too. And another point about having to knock those guys out, and what I was saying about, a 10 point lead, especially against those guys, not being blowing it in the second quarter. Kelsey had what one catch at the half. Like you just always know that the more time these guys get, the better and better, the better they get as time goes on. Like things that would shake anybody else's confidence only seem to bring out the best in these guys. Like having one catch at the half, like any other team, even accomplished talented teams might, you know, and not, not fold or throw in the towel, but might get in their own heads. Might say, what's this doing? Are they, somebody finally figured us out <laughs> with the chiefs. It's like, Nope, doesn't matter. Dude had one catch in the second half. And then I think had eight or nine in the second half in overtime. How lucky is Travis Kelsey that the chiefs won and he had a good game because otherwise, holy shit would we'll be, be talking a lot about that bump with Andy Reid in the first half. Well, people are still talking about it a lot because... How was that, by the way? I mean, I'm, I'm sure, obviously, it was accidental. I didn't realize how close he was to him, but holy cow, dude, have better spatial awareness. Yeah, the bump was accidental and I think probably looked a lot worse than it was because Reed didn't even know he was there. Yeah. But I'm I'm not a, I'm not a fan of... 
yelling at the coach on the sideline like that, especially with where that's taking place. Not only is that your head coach, it's also your offensive play caller. And he's basically standing out on the field. We've seen Brady. Hell, we've seen Mahomes. We've seen other guys have those moments. Wide receiver divas getting mad at guys like on the bench. Deeper you know, in the sideline, yeah. Like 10 yards deep into the sideline. But you almost never see that from a guy, especially of Travis Kelsey's caliber, doing that like right on the sideline right there. So it's a great yeah, call. But, yeah, Greenlaw getting hurt, hurting his Achilles had a lot to do with Kelsey going off in the second half. No doubt. And how how awful was that, man? Hated the way that it happened. I didn't even I don't even think I saw the video until this morning when I was just sifting around on social media. Dude's basically just like trying to get his juices going again to get back on the field and just plants the knee wrong and there you go i mean i thought it was an acl injury because it was a plant injury i didn't see the calf movement but apparently it, if you were looking at the calf it was pretty obvious that he blew the achilles out and they can't say it was the artificial service that did it no. jeff because that stadium they do roll the real grass outside to get the sunshine and then bring it back indoors not that i want to go down this route but another tough hit for a a Aaron narrative. Mm. <laughs> well, well, that was the whole. It's not just the A Aaron narrative. It's no, like, I know. There's a lot of guys that believe that NFLPA. You know, they show statistics, but sometimes injuries happen regardless of the surface. It, it, they they do, and those non-contact injuries have they've they've happened in practice. They, I mean, heck, it happened to happened on on hardwood floor at the Moody Center to Texas women's basketball star Rory Harmon this year. Like, I remember just going off the top of my head, it happened in Houston in practice when Deshaun Watson was with the Texans on what I'm 99% sure is a grass practice field that they were on at the time. Like, that's why, hey, if you want to, if you want to say that, like, we need to find a way to make all, especially outdoor surfaces grass, like, I'm, I'm for that argument, especially in the NFL, the money, the resources they have. But at the end of the day, like, I just can't stand that whole narrative when they act like, it's like that much of a stark difference between, you know, like, like no injuries ever happen on grass. Stop. I think there is a difference between the artificial surface and grass, but you're never going to completely eliminate injuries, regardless of the surface, the training, the mobility stuff, the warm up that you're doing. Like injuries still happen, but I do believe that there, there is a higher propensity for injuries, even on the best artificial surface versus grass. Is that just because it grabs a little bit more? Exactly. Which is, it comes into play with those plant injuries a whole lot more because your your body will start moving your direct a uh, certain direction, but your leg is still stuck in place. And that comes into play the most with ACL and, and Achilles injuries, which are the most serious injuries. But we saw an example last night where that's not always the case necessarily. But I think more places, and I know uh, Texas Football is working towards this right now. The baseball team is actually supposed to be getting real everything on the 40 acres sometime soon, which is going to be great. But yeah, the, the more natural grass surfaces we can have, the better off we will be. I think that was an issue with North America hosting the World Cup here in a few years is that they needed, I don't know if they got a waiver, if they're actually going to have to put in grass surfaces, even in some of these indoor stadiums like Jerry World. Because otherwise, the World Cup will not play on the artificial surfaces. Well, yeah, I know that was a big point. That was a big point of conversation after what happened to Rogers because they were at MetLife Stadium, 
and they're they're going to have i believe for the world cup they're going to have natural grass yeah for for those games at metlife so that's what and again that that i'm not going to argue with if you can do it for that then you should be able to do it for the nfl there is enough money. I, I just don't know how that grass is going to be able to maintain through the start of the winter in New York, you know? I guess well, one thing to be in Vegas where you get that much sunshine and you can you can uh, absorb the water bill, how much how much it's going to cost to water that grass every day and then put it out in the sun. But, like, grass stops growing at a certain point in Chicago and Green Bay and – New York and plenty of other northern cities. Well, if you have Bermuda here, it goes it goes dormant every year. <laughs> and we and and we don't even have like besides a couple weeks out of the year true constant freezing conditions. I'm looking at mine outside right now. Dead as hell. Yep. Looks, it, pretty yellow. Yellow. Looks pretty yellow out in yeah. front of our house right now, too. <laughs> you guys have Bermuda? Uh yes. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it's Bermuda. It's not crab. It's Bermuda. I'll tell you what, home ownership has taught me more about grass than I ever wanted to know. Hmm. Like, oh, just like the soil that we're on out here, and then just like what Bermuda does versus what St. Augustine does versus what you know other grasses and stuff do. Like, you know. and also betting on golf too is has changed my perspective on that as well on grasses. Yeah. You would be surprised the amount of ridiculous stats that are available. If you know where to find them on how certain guys putt on certain surfaces. Oh, that's it's extremely valuable information. That makes a ton of sense. Like, Oh, X guy putts amazing on POA. Like B guy putts terrible on POA, but putts better on Bermuda or whatever. Is POA faster or slower surface? I believe it tends to be a little slower, potentially a little bumpier. It's more like the Cal. I think the California guys typically play better on that because that's that's what they have there. Gotcha. Usually, Did you cover the game at DKR on Saturday afternoon. DKR, they are at the Moody. Oh, uh, I did. I was like, dang, did I miss the spring game or something? Uh, nope. I did. I did. I was there um good atmosphere just just the latest uh you know when we talked friday trey we were we were down we were down at the bottom we were down at the bottom of this texas roller coaster then after saturday right now too we're we're back here at the top who knows maybe when we talk uh after your splendid staycation at kalahari next monday when we talk we we could we could be back down at the bottom talking about a 20 point loss to houston it's what i it's what i say to everybody about this again i'm I'm a, uh, I think especially on this show, if people watch and listen consistently enough, they know that for whatever reason, this is a Texas basketball team that I believe in. And I think they have potential and more, even more juice to squeeze out of, out of this orange to uh, potentially make a run. But I'll tell you what, man, the one thing they're going to have to do if they are going to make that run is find some way to be a little bit more consistent, like in whatever, whatever facet that is, you know, like I think Rodney's got a that that's the task the next the next what uh I guess seven games that they have left in conference play is figuring out and some really tough road trips that we talked about Friday, but just figuring out like how can I get this team even if we lose a tough game on the road 
just for the performance to be a little bit more consistent. Because, like, look, Texas at this point is not going to be a one, two, three, four, maybe even a five seed. Like, if they play really well, they, I think four or five is about the absolute highest that they could possibly go. There are seven right now. You're a seven seed. Like, you're going to play by that 10 seed you're going to play. That's going to be a really evenly matched game. And then after that, barring some crazy upset, you're going to play a two seed. So you're going to play one of the better teams in the country. So now just to get to the Sweet 16, you're going to play two unbelievably talented teams, likely. you know. And even a lot of those 10s, like if Texas ends up being a 10, you you face these like really talented but underachieving type teams that are really tough. So yeah, after Saturday's game, I mean, a, a lot of positives to take away. But I think the one big takeaway for me is just have to find a way to be more consistent. Because if you're not, you could get bounced real quick in the tournament. What do you think, or I guess the better way to ask this is, what is your realistic expectation for this team achieving? You can't really call it a preseason goal. What is your realistic expectation for achievement for this team this year? Like, what is that bar that if they get to that bar, it's adequate? If they pass that bar, it's a great season. If they fall below, it's a disappointing season. So if we're just being fair and realistic frankly which i know isn't a fun thing for fans to do a lot of times but if we're being fair and realistic to rodney terry and this team and what the program's been over the last decade and a half the expectation the what i think is a fair expectation should be you should make the ncaa tournament every year and given what the team looks like any given year so based on what this team looks like I think winning a game in the tournament, if they get in as a six, seven, eight, nine, ten, I think is I think would be fair. That'd be looked at as a a successful, solid season. But I think this team, I think this team has second weekend potential. And if you can get to the Sweet 16, I mean, we know how the NCAA basketball tournament is, especially on the men's side. I mean, we saw it last year. San Diego State and Florida Atlantic played a game for a trip to the national championship. So I don't want to hear from anybody that Texas can't make the Sweet 16 or Texas can't make the Final Four. Again, am I going to pick them to do that? Am I going to put my money where my mouth is and say Texas is going to make the Final Four? No, but I, I would say those are the levels to this. This team should absolutely get to the NCAA tournament. It's a complete and utter failure if they do not, especially with knock on wood. They've stayed pretty damn healthy, minus having to wait a little bit to get DeSue back and to get DeSue going again. So barring anything moving forward, health has really not been an issue for this team. And that, I think, factors into expectations every year as well. But yeah, get get to the tournament, win a game or two. And I think most Texas basketball fans that are being realistic would would agree with that. Hey, chime in on the comments line. Tell me if I'm setting the bar too high, too low. I'm crazy, which I know I'm crazy, but you know, let us know. What what do you think, Trey? Yeah, I think most years, gosh. I mean, see, CB, sorry, CB said it right there too. He went 15 years between Elite Eights and making the second weekend. That's tough. I feel like the bar being at making the tournament is not acceptable most years, but this year may be an exception because of how much had to be replaced, losing two highly touted freshmen who were going to be a part of the playing rotation this year. And as a result, you have 
You basically have a two-man bench against good teams. So making the tournament probably is is where that bar is. And if you win a game, good job on winning a game. Good luck in the second-round matchup against a two-seed, most likely. Although, in this era of college basketball, it could be a 15-seed. Um, yeah. Come on, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, to miss the tournament, it would be inexcusable. Because this team was picked to finish third in the conference. Now, is that goal still on the table? No, probably not. But they could still make a nice run in the Big 12 tournament. I could foresee it, that happening. I'm going to pull it up right now, but I actually think that is still feasible. It is because there's such a log jam. I just think it's – I don't think it's feasible because this team is too inconsistent right now. Fair, and the schedule. Well, the schedule has them playing their toughest games the rest of the way on the road, which is rough, but this is also a basketball team that has played their best ball on the road this year too, maybe save the West Virginia game from this last weekend. So we'll see. I mean, look, we get a a good test of that this Saturday at Houston. Cougars are undefeated at home this year. Number three in the uh, number three team in the country right now. Um, but uh, we shall find out. And if they can get Dylan DeSue, Ace Miss going, if Tyrese Hunter can build on what was a really nice effort for him against Washington or uh, against West Virginia, you know, get contributions from Kendall Weaver and Dylan Mitchell. I don't know what uh, Shedrick's status is. He played very limited minutes. Maybe they're just trying to save his back for the Houston game. Yeah, I really just don't think he's healthy, truly healthy. And I think because of that, they're going to try to try to save him for matchup type games, to your point. I think that that's a good idea if you're trying to do that for the Houston game because you're effectively giving him almost two weeks off before the Houston game. So right now, Texas is five and six in the conference, which is, let's see, Kansas is seven and four. I can't do this math, Jeff. I'll, I'll pull. I'll pull up the standings real quick. There are two games. If there's a lot of math, I don't know. I may, I may be with you. On that. There, there is a lot of math. I'm not seeing ga- a games back category here on the Big Twelve. There are three. There are three games back of Houston. They're, three games yeah. back of Houston at the top, so they they do have a little legitimate chance to finish third in the conference. I don't think that's going to happen, but it is still on the table. Yeah, because third in the conference right now, it does get a little confusing because like the games are going to even out more over the next few weeks. There's a couple teams that haven't played as many games as Texas. Like Iowa State's only played 10 games. Texas has played 11. But like Kansas is technically third right now. They are two games above Texas in the wins and loss column. So exactly, they're, Texas is two games behind Kansas exactly. And they have to play Kansas on the road. They're a game behind Baylor, who's right behind Kansas, in the win column, two games back of Baylor in the loss column, also have to play them on the road. And same thing with Texas Tech. <laughs> so, yeah, given given third maybe being the, the benchmark that was set for them at the beginning of the season with the preseason selections, I, I agree with you. I think it's safe to say they're probably not going to fulfill the uh, their end of it on, on that. But But, again, <clears throat> with what we've – with what we've said, this team is likely going to be in the NCAA tournament with a, as long as it's good enough to make it, even if they kind of skate by and barely get in, or if they get hot and, you know, definitely get in, 
the best is probably going to be a four or five. Like, even though the Big 12 is what it is, I think when they put their resume, let's say it's between, okay, they, they could maybe be a four. When you start combining or comparing resumes, I think Texas has a few, they have some really good wins on there, but they have a few where it's like, oof, like a few things that may make it easier to flip the other way. So yeah, like finishing third in the conference, probably not going to happen, but also I'm not really even sure how much that's going to matter at the end of the day. Yeah. If they finish, gosh, if they finish right around 500 in big 12 play, a five seed may be a stretch, but a six is doable. Well, they're, Every improved seed means one one less top one or two seed that you're having to play in the second round. And this is what what they have right now is the bracketology, same bracketology we looked at the other day on Friday. Not that what happened against West Virginia is going to change that because it wasn't a good win or a bad loss. But they have Texas as a seven right now who against A and M, and they play North Carolina. You know, barring some sort of Colgate upset, but. I mean, the other two seeds are Kansas and then who else we got? Kansas, Marquette, and Tennessee. Jeez, how crazy is that? If they'd mat- potential matchup with Marquette or Tennessee, that'd be fun. But like, yeah, those other teams would be favored by five or six points in that game. But on a neutral site, like, you, you don't think that they could beat Marquette? I mean, I know Marquette whooped him, but I don't believe DeSue didn't even play in that game. Or if he did, that was like right when he came back. So, yeah, they played at Marquette in December without Dylan DeSue. I think that game's going to be a little bit different two and a half or three months later on neutral site. That will probably be Shaka Smart's Super Bowl again, too, which is good news for Longhorn fans because Shaka Smart sucks in March. So that'll uh, that'll probably work to our advantage, unless he's got unless he's got a V on his quarter zip, unless he had unless they have that one lucky year where they could not miss from deep. I have a, I have a couple couple more thoughts on the game. I'm gonna give you one totally random one from uh, the Texas game or the Super Bowl. Uh, Texas game, okay. That has absolutely nothing to do with actual basketball. Okay. I'm a huge fan of the new swag, the new coach swag, like what COVID did to what coaches wear. And some coaches still rock the suit. Like Vic Schaefer still wears the suit. My guy looks fantastic. Vic and all his coaches look to the nines every game. They are dressed professional, stylish, all that. But the men's basketball coaches love what they do too. It's always like a, white black burnt orange quarter zip with some quality like they almost look like golf pants and they've always got some like awesome new like i mean obviously the texas you know uh nike deals and all that they've got some like like the other day was burnt orange air forces low top air forces and then they've had like the white white base burnt orange black trim air maxes they had some all white all white sneakers a couple games ago. Uh, anyway, I was just some of the, me and some of the guys on the baseline were uh, talking about how we're fans of the suit, but also big fan of like if you can class up that dress down look. Yeah, the uh, 
Not sure if you have any strong thoughts on uh, what college basketball coaches are wearing. The golf gear game, places like Viore and Lululemon to a lesser degree have allowed guys to get away with uh, dressing much more comfortably and not looking like complete slobs in the process. That makes me happy as somebody who routinely dresses like a teenager, regardless of circumstance. That's a great way of putting it. And it's part of this whole new, like in men's and women's fashion, like this whole athleisure movement Yep. where everything, and I mean, Lululemon, I don't own any of their stuff because I'm way too cheap to pay that much for their clothes, but they kind of started that whole revolution. And then COVID only helped their business even more in that whole athleisure style mm-hmm. where you're like basically wearing sweatpants yeah, or stuff that feels like it's sweatpant material, but it actually looks really good. I've seen some guys, I won't name any names, but I've seen a couple of like, uh, like sports directors or even like TV play-by-play guys, like rocking what I'm pretty sure like on the bottom are some Lululemon pants with the sport coat over the top. I'm like, yo, if I ever get to that stage of uh, my television career, I would love to look that distinguished with a uh, sport coat and Lululemon joggers on. <laughs> don't, don't you need a little bit more of a crease than the joggers allow in the pants? But they're not like the, the the guys I've seen rocket. I don't even know if they're like maybe not joggers. They're just like a super tapered pant. Mm. If that makes sense. Okay. They don't look like sweats, but they look they look comfortable as hell. All right, so I like anyway. I like the observation of the uh, the turn for coaches and analysts too. By the way, who do typically have to wear more suit type outfits. But everybody on TV can get away with wearing tennis shoes now. The tennis shoes with suit look is here to stay, I feel like. Yeah, I'm I'm not a huge fan of it unless it's like some really good looking like like I've seen some people do uh, the basketball shoes with that, like some Jordans or something. And I don't know what I, I can't rock it, so I don't. I usually just wear dress shoes or if I go casual, I'll wear like a really crisp pair of like white sneakers that are all they're like dressy sneakers. But some some men, some women can pull off the like slacks with, with Jordan's look like it just, or, uh, air forces or dunks, whatever it may be. You know, I'm not a huge sneaker head or anything like that, but yeah. Um, so that was, that was my, my one fashion, uh, observation from the game. But my second basketball related observation, Trey was to give you some kudos on something you've said multiple times about Tyrese Hunter, who had a great game. And maybe somebody, again, it's kind of hard with the camera sometimes because I was filming on Saturday. I felt like he had the ball in his hands to initiate offense a lot more than he had in the past. Did you get that sense? Like, I don't know how much you, how much you saw the game, but to me, it felt like he, he was almost given more ownership of the offense. There were multiple times where, I felt like he took it up. And even if like he quickly kind of passed it off on a little give to, to Acemas, whatever it was, it just felt like dude was playing so much more confident and, and not in his own head. I did not see that. Now, granted I was having to watch a pirated feed on my computer. So I don't <laughs> have the luxury of going back and rewinding or pausing and starting it back up again. And I got into the game a little bit late too, but I'll keep that in mind for the Houston game because I do still believe, even with his struggles, that if you put the ball in his hands more at the start of an offensive set, it will benefit 
him and everybody else too. And it'll benefit him on both ends of the floor. So that's a good observation, a good one game observation. And we'll see if it sticks for the Houston game and beyond because yeah. Hunter had seven assists, one turnover. Aceman's actually had a great game in terms of distributing the basketball to teammates, nine assists, zero turnovers. So they have two capable ball handlers, but yeah, Aceman's, has the ability to still be good without the ball in his hands as much. He's still going to get his shots. This team needs him to make shots. It's not like guys are going to be playing keep away from him. So it's just about trying to get somebody else going, perhaps somebody that you really need if you are going to push to finish in the top three teams in the league and maybe push for a, a four or five seed. By the way, this team, if they go undefeated, they're not just going to be a five. They're probably going to be a four or a three when it's all said and done. Probably closer to a three than a four just because of how brutal that away schedule is. But in order to be anywhere close to that, they need somebody they need one of those third guys. Because there's a group of the of that third guy right now. They need one of those guys to be on more nights than he's off. The most obvious candidate is Tyrese Hunter. Because he's done it before. And he's yes. led a team as a true freshman to the sweet sixteen. Yeah, for sure. And Rodney's talked about this a bunch too, but he's he's mentioned that when Tyrese is on defensively, when he's locked in and engaged on the defensive end and he makes some some really good plays early on defensively, which he did in this game against West Virginia, he's done in different other games as well. The Baylor game when he had his his last really, really good game, that almost like gives him the confidence on offense after that. But he made one he made one play during that first half and it was awesome because it happened right in front of my camera where he was guy. He was guarding, had the ball at the top of the key. He dribbles in right, like kind of past the elbow towards the baseline. Tyrese is playing great defense. He backs the, the ball hander backs off a little bit and exposes the ball. And Tyrese basically like goes full extension dives on the ball right in front of the Texas bench and grabs it, stays in bounds, doesn't get a travel call or anything like that, keeps his composure, and then passes it off to Weaver. I can't remember what happened after that. But plays like that, I just feel like almost get, and a lot of guys are like this, that energy type play where you feel like you're doing something for your team that doesn't involve scoring gets him going because of that. And it fun to fun to watch when when he's playing like that. Indeed it is. All right, we are going to take a break for just a few minutes, tell you about some of our sponsors. It's actually going to start with a sponsor telling you about themselves. That would be Covert BK. Hi, I'm Dan Covert with my wife, Hayden. Welcome to Covert BK. Our newest location in the gorgeous Hill Country includes Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and hundreds of pre-owned and certified vehicles for you to choose from. We have three service departments that are ready to take care of your car, truck, or SUV with 86 service bays to accommodate any repair and get you in and out quickly. Come visit us today to select the vehicle you've been dreaming about. Covert, born and raised in Austin. Thank you very much to the Covert B Cave people. Also want to give a shout out to Audio Visual Consultations. We'll let the man himself, Tom McKay, tell you all about Audio Visual Consultations. It's Tom McKay, owner of Audio Visual Consultations, and we'd like to take a moment to thank all of our clients for making the last 25 years both fun and fruitful. For those of you who have not experienced our services yet, we'd like to invite you to give us a try for all of your home electronics needs. 
We take care of everything from surround sound home theaters and distributed audio to computer networks, home surveillance systems, to a new television in the living room or bedroom. And we come to you. There's no need to leave your home to find great pricing and incomparable service. No traffic, inexperienced sales geeks, or pushy showroom tactics. Just give us a call and we'll visit you at your home or business to take a look at what you really need. Just relax, hug your kids, and smile. We make your electronics and life simpler to manage. So give us a call and discover what over 7,000 families and businesses already have. Audiovisual consultations is the easiest, most complete way to enjoy today's electronics. Call us at 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678. Or online at avconsultations.com. All right, Jeff, you just sent me a clip from Tyrese Hunter on his bounce back game. We're going to play that here. You know, be the head of the snake. Uh, make sure that we, you know, all are together, um, you know, and just really just being the leader, take care of the ball. Just go out and be myself, you know, don't overthink it. Um, been in this lead, you know, three years. Um, I know what to expect. Um, I've been playing with my teammates now for, you know, quite a while. So now we just, you know, flowing with each other um, and just go out and win. That was a play I was talking about. <clears throat> I don't know if you saw that one after the ISO shot of him where he just like dives on the ball. <laughs> yeah, that was a great I'm play. Like, to yeah, have the awareness to avoid the sideline and turn and pass it to his teammate really quickly too. And again, like, like I said, I don't even remember what happened after that. I don't think they scored off of that. I don't care. Like if that's a play that's going to get Tyrese going, if that's a play that's going to get everyone else locked in defensively and saying, hey, this dude – needs like this dude's playing like this we all got to play like this um then that's that's a great sign for texas and i thought what he said too about how long he's been in the league is yeah. a great point you know he's like i've been in this league a long time and um obviously was probably really disappointed to have one of the worst games of his career definitely the worst at least scoring wise of the season against his former team at home the game before that but that's one thing i've said a bunch of times on the show about Tyrese that I think is a really good sign for Texas is the dude's just really mature. Like I never, I feel like I never see him get too high or too low. And the guys had some highs and some lows this season on the court. So that's a great sign for Texas. When somebody like that, who you're hoping to finally get a little bit more out of when, when that's at least his mindset going into it and his level of maturity. And like you, you said, Dre, I mean, we know he can do it. Like we know the experience that he has, just think bodes well for them moving forward. I agree. My fingers are crossed for that one because this is a much more fun team to watch when Tyrese Hunter is playing well. I was impressed with him as a freshman at Iowa State. I saw how they used him, how they kind of needed to use him too, by the way. I mean, he they he was their point guard option, but they benefited greatly as a result of that. And these last two years, he's had some alphas on the team that – have no problem asking for the basketball. He just needs to be a little bit more assertive. And maybe it does start on the defensive end, or it could start on the offensive end at times where he is engaged offensively. And it, it uh, ensures that he is locked in on the other end too, where he is just as valuable, especially for a team that has struggled defending along the perimeter. Now less of an issue. Thanks to Kendall Weaver being out there by the way, but getting Tyrese Hunter back to a sort of all big 12 defensive prowess will be huge for this team. You mentioned Weaver. I've I have not heard as many coaches talk about a guy like that in a guy who has a role like that um, than I've heard talk about Kendall Weaver this season. I mean, Kelvin Sampson a couple games ago said he's the best perimeter defender on on 
Texas. Like he was, uh, which again, now I don't think is that, that crazy to, to say, but yeah. I mean, yeah, like we're, we're talking about Tyrese. I think Tyrese does a great job with that. Um, Max Acemas, I think has improved a lot on the defensive yep. end, but just what, what Weaver brings with his energy that he plays with and, and his, uh, I mean, whatever you want to call it, like, uh, you know, bounce and athleticism on the offensive side plays, you know, that, that plays on the defensive end as well. But, um, my favorite play from the other night was when he jumped so high on that two-handed dunk that he hit his face on the backboard. Yeah. And he kind of like, I know he kind of, I saw some people like, I was like, oh, he pulled himself up. And like, dude, even if he hadn't pulled himself up and he just swung like that, he still would have hit his least forehead on the backboard yeah. to be sick, to be listed at six, three and do that is pretty insane. I mean, the dude is a, is a walking pogo stick. He is. I think he needs to, sl- he, <laughs> He needs to take a breath and slow down a little bit when the ball is in his hands. Like it hasn't, it hasn't hurt this team too badly just yet. But he plays too fast. You can tell he's like borderline out of control. And I can live with it because he's not a primary ball handler and he's young. You're you're right about that. It's, it's it's a matter of him learning. That's slowing. He's so explosive and so fast that slowing down a gear. He's still going to be a half step ahead of everybody. He won't be a full step ahead anymore, but he's still going to be a half step ahead. And he's actually going to be able to maintain a level of control to be more of a shot maker too. Like this team is, I don't know what the roster is going to look like next year. You can, can't predict that for any college basketball team in this era, but I imagine that Kendall Weaver's role with this team is only going to continue to increase, including I'm, needing him more as a scorer. I'm still waiting, still waiting for him to get hot from three. Still waiting for that to happen. Three-point shooter at UTA. You pointed that. You were the first one to point that out. Every time I see him shoot a three, I'm ready for it. Yeah, I know. Not, not, that it's, not that it's looked great during his Texas career so far. But like I said, we know, it's, we know it's in there with him. And I don't know if it's just that his role is so much different on this team. I can, uh, I can assure you I watched zero minutes of UT Arlington basketball last year. So I don't know exactly what... <laughs> what his role was on that team, but he averaged nine a game and was the whack freshman of the year. So clearly there was some, you know, level of reliance on his uh, offensive prowess for that team. So um, yeah, like you said, get, you know, you don't want to do it. You don't want to develop guys. When you have a team this good, you know, and I'm sure Rodney would say this too. You don't want to overemphasize the development of certain guys that are going to be kind of program guys that'll stick around for more than a couple of years, more than just a max who's here for a year. Right. You, you don't want to necessarily give those guys more minutes than they deserve, like just to develop them at the risk of hurting your team's success. Now, when you have a team as, as talented as this team is and as much potential as they have. But I do think that, yeah, getting him more comfortable offensively, if you can do that and not hurt the team in the moment, that's going to be huge for them uh, in years to come. Cause you would imagine that given his history of transferring from UTA and now being at Texas, being a Texas kid from Arlington, that he would want to stick around with this program for, for a while. I would think so. I mean, you hear guys talk about, and we've seen this team respond to the criticism that Rodney Terry faced a few weeks ago, like guys love playing for Rodney Terry. So for a guy like that, who's really proven himself and he is playing at this high level. Because Texas, I mean, they're not a blue blood, but 
playing the Big 12 right now. They'll be in the SEC next year. Like, this is really good exposure for him. And I think he realizes that his role will only continue to increase for this basketball team, which was probably part of his goal in transferring here to begin with, to really to prove himself and to to be this uh, to be this force that is impossible to keep off the court. Look, he's in the starting lineup now. You mentioned the forty percent three point shooting, nine points per game for UTA last year. It seems like he does have more scoring potential. They just they haven't needed it out of him just yet because they do have Dylan DeSue. They've got Asmus. Tyrese is trying to get his thing going, but he'll he'll, he'll contribute here and there. And uh, I I think there is more room for growth as a scorer. Uh, another guy that if they could just get him going a little bit more, even if it's 10, 15 minutes, if they could get a little bit more out of IT Horton. I mean, his yeah. minutes have just, do you talk about a roller coaster? His, his minutes have just gone so up and down the level of production. Uh, he shot it really well in a couple games early this year. And I don't know if it was just a byproduct of him, maybe not giving the team what, what the coaches wanted on the defensive end. So they weren't going to play him as much, but you know, I mean, really when he played his former team, UCF and Texas lost, that was, that was really, I think the last kind of like big game that he's had. And since then he's really barely played and barely made an impact at all. So if you can find a way to weave him into the fabric of this team in March, I do think he's a guy that, you know, six, five shooting guard, definitely with a good shot when it's on and the ability to score the ball just one more way that maybe it's somebody in foul trouble. Maybe it's somebody's off one game. He's available and he's at least confident in whatever role you need him to play in March. If they could find that down the stretch, find his role, that'd be huge. They need it Horton because this is obviously dependent on Shedrick's health. Like he either gives them a seventh or eighth guy, like a second or third guy off the bench. Like that's how badly they need him right now. Their bench guys, the reliable bench guys against good competition, are Brock Purdy for limited minutes, Cunningham, Cedric likely for limited minutes, and then It Horton for limited minutes. I haven't seen a ton else out of It Horton other than the potential to put the ball in the bucket. Like that's what he's going to be out there for. And if and if that's what he gives you, like again, I think this team needs a little bit more of that in terms of shot makers. Um, you mentioned, you mentioned Brock, uh, it was one of the first things I heard when I popped on earlier with, when Chip and Zay were still going and I agree with them. We've gotten good Brock the last couple games. We have, he hardly played in this last game though. The minutes were weird this last game because no starter starters probably shouldn't have played more than 25 minutes in this game, but no starter played more than 30 minutes. Three of the five starters played in like the mid to upper twenties. But like nobody else cracked 10 minutes. Brock Cunningham, IT Horton, Shedrick hardly played. And then some of the, the guys who very rarely leave the bench only got like a handful of minutes too. Yeah, Brock uh, Brock played nine minutes, missed one, missed his one shot attempt, four boards. Um, but he's been he's been more controlled because I think that's the biggest criticism of Brock is a little bit just kind of out of control sometimes on the, on the defensive end and foul happy. Um, I think we've seen more effective Brock the last few games. 
Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I'm encouraging Kendall Weaver to get it under control a little bit because I could see him start to establish that rotation too because he's so close to out of control that sometimes he does get called for fouls. And that's only going to get worse as as guys, as refs call Texas games and they see what's going on and they hear the opposition complaining about certain things. I'm not saying that it's fair, but it does happen. And we saw, like, you need to look no further than Brock Cunningham and the first time he really started playing as a freshman to all, all of a sudden this year where the guy can't stay on the court because if he gets close to somebody else, it's just assumed that it's a foul because that's his reputation now. And I do think he fairly or unfairly, whatever you want to say. I said Brock Purdy. I meant Cunningham. My apologies yeah. to Brock Purdy. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't don't put my guy uh, Brock Purdy in, in, that, in that company there. <laughs> but yeah, I think... Last thing on Brock uh, Cunningham, I do think he uh, he's dialed it back a little bit. Although I think at times in the Big Twelve, especially he can he can be officiated a little bit unfairly because of his reputation. And Kendall Weaver doesn't have that yet, because I think Brock. You know, again, we can argue whether it's valid or not. Across the league, picked up a little bit of a little bit of a label as maybe kind of dirty, you know, maybe kind of a, you know, some, some Draymond green stuff here and there, not, not necessarily, you know, accidentally slugging a guy, but just plays really, really, really hard on the defensive end. And sometimes a little too hard for some people's liking. And I think that reputation follows him a little bit in the big 12. It does. Remember if this was his first or second year, but do you remember in the big 12 tournament, they played Texas tech. And after the game, like the following game, Brock Cunningham had a gigantic shiner. You remember this? Yeah. Was that the result of a tech player going after him after that game? Because I don't remember him taking a shot in the game itself. I always wondered if a tech player maybe found him after the game and punched him square in the face. Uh, let me, I'm going to look it up. I'm pretty sure the story that we were told was that he, that happened in practice. That I think the story was that he like took a really hard screen in practice. I'm gonna try to find it. Really hard screen in practice. I've I've given and taken a lot of screens in practice. I've never had something that has blacked my eye like somebody punched me really hard in the face. Hey, I didn't uh, I didn't say that I believed it. Um, <laughs> a tweet from Brian Davis. Um, yep, here it is. A tweet from Brian Davis the former uh, great uh, statesman beat writer, love BD, uh, on October 29th, 2019, he said something about Gerald Liddell. Also, forward Gerald Liddell took a knee to the head yesterday and sat down. Forward Brock Cunningham had a serious black eye from taking a hellacious screen from Jericho Sims. All right, Jericho Sims, like, punched him in the face then or something. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll send it to you in the private chat so you can look at it. Damn it. We had Brock Cunningham on this channel in pregame before Texas OU. I should have figured out a way to ask that question because he, he would tell us for real. There's no um, way a hard screen did that. That was too big of a shiner. Yeah, there wasn't a there wasn't a picture with it. Um, but how hilarious is it that I Googled Brock Cunningham or not Google Twitter searched Brock Cunningham black eye. And there actually was a result. 
I yeah, it was significant. Let me yeah, see if I can find it. Ah, no, they don't. There's have no, it. there's no, no point in popping the tweet on on here because there's no picture with it. Right. If, no, if there was, if there was a picture, it already would have been up here. Let me try. I do remember what you were talking about, though. I think, I think I could probably. Um, you're not gonna be here. You're not gonna be here Friday, but if I can find it in the CBS Austin archive, I'll show it. I'll show it to you Monday. Let's go. Thank you. <laughs> Anything else happened this weekend with you? No, I mean just you know following the other, following the other UT UT sports and baseball gets started next week. Uh, women's basketball. I don't know what the new poll was, but they they won their one game this week against TCU. They're up to um, what like nine and three or ten and three in Big Twelve play. They're going to need a little bit of help, but they have a chance with some help and uh, probably winning out to re- repeat as Big Twelve regular season champions or at least have have a share of it. Wild story from that game. Obviously, I wasn't there in person, but they played TCU in Fort Worth and. Vic and the players said after the game that their bus broke down like on the way to shoot around. Mm-hmm. So, because you know, they, they played afternoon game and usually these teams will get a morning shoot around or they'll get something. They'll get a practice on the court the day before when they get there Friday. Well, the bus broke down. So they had to take Ubers to and from the arena with all their gear. Like, I'm not sure I'd call that insane adversity by any means, but just rarely do you, uh, do you hear that happening that, the bus breaks down and the only the only way to get there in the moment was to have an entire basketball team which i know people will go oh it's only 12 players well it's some extra walk-ons it's a bunch of coaches it's support staff it's trainers it's all their gear you know it's all the kind of stuff that they bring especially on the road so yeah that was a bit of a random uh story across ut athletics this weekend that's adversity for sure yeah (laughs) i I agree but i know some people are how, how dare you have a problem with that? Back yeah. in my day, I used to walk through a foot of snow to get to my Big 12 women's basketball games with all my gear. <laughs> I would have somersaulted to show my arena. <laughs> oh, man. I guess we should return to the uh, Super Bowl now. That's enough Texas basketball talk on the day after the Super Bowl. Yeah, let's uh, get back to it. Let's see. Did we talk Usher yet? Oh, no, but I am a one giant hypocrite over here because you made me power rank those five uh, main attractions for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I believe I believe I had the halftime. I either had the halftime show or the commercials last. I think it was the halftime show. Yeah, I I was vibing the halftime show. I mean, and also like the kid getting into it and kind of like Jace was in the corner, like sort of like dancing and feeling it. And then Jasmine's base. Like I would say probably her famous, her uh, most favorite famous female artist is Alicia keys, or at least is in the top three of her power rankings. Oh, she looks so good last night. Yeah. She was thrilled when she came out. Um, I, I did not hate it for other reasons. Her voice was fantastic as well, but sure. right, she, she, she did look outstanding, you know, just as, just as Jasmine didn't didn't hate it when Usher took his shirt off. I like exactly. Every, yes, it's a like two way. Heterosexual lady in the world probably probably didn't have an issue with that. 
Now, she might have had an issue with uh, you being married to her and Usher coming up behind her and squeezing her really hard and making sure that she can uh, feel his his flaccid penis behind her, which uh, there were a few inappropriate moments like that with Usher and Alicia Keys, who has a husband and a kid. But it's his super halftime show, so I guess he gets away with it. Yeah, I guess for that, whatever that was, 10 minutes, they just throw the rules out. But yeah. I mean, Usher, they they just, and again, we kind of talked about it when we were going through some of the songs um, on Friday, but like the way that he he hits across so many different generations, like the current, what are, what are the Gen Z or whatever, they know Usher from some of his new stuff. And then obviously his old stuff is so iconic that it, remains timeless in a way and still gets played in clubs and bars and weddings and parties, whatever. And then some of the other stuff, like I mentioned some of the songs, like there was a song from like 97 that was on the list of songs that he might've played or that he was maybe going to play before. I didn't even know that song, but then my era was all like, Oh, we played this at, you know, the high school dances at the clubs in college. And it just, it just hit across so many different generations. And, and the dude's a performer too, man. I mean, that was, like a show, a full-on show, a full-on party on stage. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah. I don't know what percentage of America thought that uh, CeeLo had just come out on stage, but it turns out it wasn't CeeLo who had lost a ton of weight. It was... What was his name, Jeff? You're going to have to help me here. Hold on. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, but I don't want to say it and be wrong. Stand by. You- YouTube commenters, help us out here. It wasn't CeeLo. It was somebody else who... It was Jermaine Dupree. Jermaine Dupree, dressed like Angus Young from ACDC. Yeah. You got Ludacris. You had... Little John made make an appearance. He did. Yeah, so... Yeah, he did. Will I Am. Or William, as he's known. <laughs> <to his family. laughs> William. Oh, that's funny. And uh, yeah, look, look, it was fine. It was fine. I, I just don't know enough of Usher's music. And also, that's not the way I like to consume live music either. But with the Super Bowl halftime show, you have to take 45-second clips from songs and then move on to the next thing. It really is appealing to the TikTok generation, these Super Bowl halftime shows. Yeah, it, it could have been uh, it could have been just that I was I was so fired up about it because of how, how it hit, hit a little closer to home, you know? Um, but yeah, like just cause of my, my generation. And then also, you know, Jace getting really into it. Jasmine having a good time. Like I mentioned, I was going to be a hermit for that, but that was cool to have that one outside of my uh, hermit status for most of the day. And for the game to have that one moment where we were all just like getting into it and partying as a family. Yeah. You know, that's, it's funny you say that because that's what softened me up on the whole Taylor Swift thing. Not that I was hostile about Taylor Swift being in a booth watching her boyfriend and the cameras cutting to her, but I gained an appreciation for it when I saw my daughter and my wife enjoying the, it would have been the Buffalo Kansas city game. One of the most fun I've ever had watching a football game. Because they were freaking out, you know, histrionically, of course, but they were freaking out every time Taylor Swift was shown on the screen. 
And my son and I were acting so put off when it was happening. It was this little back and forth. It was like this playful thing with, with my family that like when it was happening last night, I was just looking over and smiling at my daughter, actually enjoying one other aspect about a football broadcast, which look, she has liked football games for several years now. She is a Texas football fan for better or worse. And um, I've seen her scream her head off. Her and my son have cried sports tears when the Texas basketball team lost to Miami last year in the Elite Eight. But uh, they, they were not alone in that. Oh, yeah, that was a tough one. Uh, so to to just give one more reason for people who like football or maybe they don't care much about football, but they're going to tune in to America's greatest sport, the greatest sport on the planet. I, you know, I, I hope people calm down with their hate on that. I mean, we're going to see much less of it, my guess is, next year, regardless of whether Kelsey and Swift are together. Like, she's going to be doing the touring thing, and maybe, you know, it won't be a total burnout when she's at games, but it's not going to be as big of a deal as it was this season. Enjoy no. One other little playful thing that we can have fun talking about. Yeah, and also, I thought she handled it really well, too. She wasn't up on stage after the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl. Like, she stayed down where she was, and, you know, I, I didn't think she, I didn't think she, like, overly hammed it up. I mean, another good comment from Jeff, our guy Jeff Collins here, said, did your daughter enjoy seeing Taylor Swift chugging beers in the suite? That was the only one where maybe, the only time probably all, all postseason where I was like, okay, she knew the cameras were on her there and she's going to do something because of it. But before I had no problem. Oh, did, with they, did, they cut, did they cut to her and she saw that she was on the screen and then she started chugging? Is that what happens? I, I don't know, but like I have a hard time. I have a hard time on that one, believing that she didn't know the camera was on her. I mean, there's a camera always on her. So what could have happened was she chugged a beer and then later on they were just like, Hey, here she was chugging a beer. Like, I don't know. Cause that was kind of a thing. Remember when, when that, when a bunch of people were doing that, like athletes were going to other sporting events and doing that, like Aaron did it. And then like David Bakhtiari did it, I think at a Bucks game. Yeah. Like, that's like the thing at Bucks games. If you get shown on the screen, you've got to chug a beer. Jeff, to answer your question, I don't think we saw that. Would she have enjoyed it? She probably would have been grossed out because my daughter, doesn't like the taste of beer. She doesn't like anything with carbonation. So she would have liked Taylor Swift a little bit less. Yeah. Um, and also like, hopefully people realize yet yeah, Jason Kelsey wasn't the first athlete, uh, blue collar looking athlete to chug a beer on camera. So let's, let's relax a little bit. You know, I uh, saw it on the X machine. Yeah. I, I did not see, see that in real time. So maybe it was just an X bit. Ah, the, okay. Here we all have more clarification too. The I, stadium camera. Coming through as always, by the way. Oh my gosh. I did a dip swap with Ike yesterday. Met at Ike's Love and Sandwiches, as a matter of fact, which is like checking off a bucket list item for me is going to Ike's Love and Sandwiches with my guy Ike. He of Domino's fame. Uh, but uh, we traded dips. I traded him some of uh, Mrs. Elling's world famous buffalo chicken dip. He traded me some of his Holy shit, this smoked queso is out of this world good. But he says that it was a stadium camera that caught her on the big screen. TV just happened to catch it. So, the, wait, the stadium camera is what was shown on X? Is that is that what the clarification is here? I think what it was is somebody, it was, po it was on the stadium camera, on the big screen at the stadium, and I assume somebody was recording it on their phone or something like that. 
would would be my guess. Because yeah, I don't I don't think that was on the national TV broadcast. Okay, all right. So the national TV broadcast, I'm not going to say had better sense. People chug right. beers. They were showing Jason Kelsey chug beers. Not that big of a deal. And I I, I, I thought they did. I thought they did fine with all the Taylor Swift stuff. Like, look, Travis Kelsey's a Hall of Fame tight end, and he's he had unbelievable postseason games. So yeah, they're going to cut away to the suite where his girlfriend, mom. Remember last year? Last year it was his mom when it was Jason Kelsey versus Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl. It was their mom that was fame that was getting her fifteen minutes of fame. So they and people had no issues with that. I don't remember people being angry about that. So his girlfriend is sitting in the same suite with his brother, who's also famous and also a Super Bowl champion, and his mom, his dad, you know, his girlfriend, all that. So, like, yeah, guys, they're gonna cut away to that. They I don't know if they did it this year as much, but like in past years, they they'd cut away to Brittany Mahomes. That's part of how she got started getting so much hate, was losing her mind on those cutaways, or like somebody in the in the seat below her would film her going nuts in the box above and like. And then people all of a sudden decided to hate her because she was annoying, I guess. I don't know. But- She's annoying. She is definitely annoying. The entire Mahomes family, other than Patrick, pretty annoying. Based on our our limited experience with the wife and the brother. I don't know if the dad's annoying. The dad just probably should stop drinking and driving. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really it's really Brittany and the brother. They're they're the annoying ones. And Patrick is is uh on his way to becoming the goat. No doubt. No doubt. Commercials. Any commercials jump out for better or worse. Not gonna lie to you, I paid absolutely no attention to the commercials. I was I was up making another drink, getting the pizza ready, uh turning the sound off, and then t- in the first half turning the sound off and turning it on for the Phoenix open to watch the playoff. So I, I paid almost no attention to that. There's one commercial that I thought was great. And a bunch of commercials that people overpaid to have a spot in the Super Bowl, And that would have been the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Dunkin Donuts commercial. Huge sellout moment for both of them. They acknowledge that too. It was very meta of them. They acknowledge how badly they're selling out, but they're also Boston guys and Dunkin' Donuts is a Boston original. So I get it. I get it more than I get. Ah, oh gosh, I'm forgetting her name again. The SNL alum, Kate McKinnon, who did a commercial for Hellman's mayonnaise. Awful. With a cat that's saying meow, but they're making it sound like it's saying mayo. Terrible. <laughs> there were way too many commercials like that. By the way, I don't know if you saw this one, Mr. T. It was in a commercial. I think it was in the second half, maybe. Mr. T is no longer intimidating anybody, Jeff. As a matter of fact, Mr. T may be very close to uh, going as a missing person and having a silver alert called on him because he's just too old and confused. Or just, or is he just T? Got to drop the mister? Uh, yeah, something like that. Or Sonny T, I don't know. They're they're gonna have to they're gonna have to figure out a new name for Mr. T because he's still trying to rock the Mohawk too. But he's a he's a brittle old guy now. He doesn't have the muscles anymore. Doesn't have the muscles from the A team or from Rocky Three. He's just a seventy one year old guy now with the Mohawk. So I guess it'll be easier to find when he wanders off. <laughs> you you mentioned the Dunkin' Donuts. I. 
I don't, I don't get it with Duncan. Like nothing to do with the commercial. Like I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like it's, I don't think it's very good. The Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Oh, you like, just the product Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, just like every time I've had it, I've been like, this is a mid-ass donut. And like the coffee, everyone's like, oh, well, the coffee, the coffee. And I'm like, it's every, a solid cup of coffee. Place, yeah, every place has their thing that they overrate. Sorry, state of Texas people, your feelings are about to get hurt too. Oh, I know what it is. And I I, I hope it's what I think it is. Don't Don't blame me, blame your biases. What do you, what's your guess? It's Whataburger. Whataburger got bought out by a Chicago company a few years ago. The quality of the products went downhill then. There are still people who are waiting in line for Whataburger probably right now. There's a Whataburger five minutes away from my house. I don't get waiting in line for food. I definitely don't get waiting in line for fast food, especially when you could park your car and go in and get it in a quarter of the time. <laughs> but Chicago overrates its pizza. New York City overrates its, well, everything. Boston overrates its Dunkin' Donuts. Canada overrates its Tim Hortons. Texas overrates its fucking Whataburger. Austin overrates, shit, I don't know. Pick something. Tiff Streets, Torchy's Tacos. That's right. I'm taking a flamethrower to the city right now. Oh, like, yeah. I'll, I'll agree with you on Torchy's. Torchy's is good. It's a good taco. Little Everybody, Anybody little, who talks about Torchy's, they always bring the queso up first. It's Torchy's Tacos. Yeah. The tacos are okay. The queso is really good. I will well, give you that. The tacos are okay. So the first, the, and maybe I'm not talking to the right Boston people here, but the well, the one thing they always bring up, people that I've talked to, oh, Dunkin' Donuts, got to get a cup of coffee there. Got to get a cup of coffee there. Like, if we're bringing up something else, except your, what you're known for, then what the, what like the your name is on the businesses Dunkin Donuts and I'm about to get absolutely eviscerated for this right now in the comments I'm sure I feel the same way about what a burger your name is what a burger and everyone goes oh you got to get the patty well I guess that's kind of a burger but like you got to get the like chicken strip sandwich you got to get the uh oh shit what's the the honey butter chicken biscuit like I enjoy all those things. I think they're solid. Your your place is called What a Burger. And there's all these other random items that you're telling me I have to get. And you know what? I'll be fair though. I'm a California guy. I love In-N-Out. But people probably would say that about about In-N-Out that it's a that it's a bit overrated, I guess. But again, what you said about What a Burger is true. Some we can say whatever we want. Somewhere Somewhere there is a group of people, ton of people waiting in line for a Whataburger. And whenever Texans get on me about in and out, oh, in and out's this, in and out's that, whoa, 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 they talk smack. I'm like, well, guess what? Like the one over on 35 by Parmer always has a line. I drove by the one in Cedar Park a couple times. It's always got a line. So as much as you say, oh, t- Texas people, you know, oh, in and out's trash. The fries taste like cardboard. Well, guess what? Someone's getting in line and paying money and waiting to eat cardboard fries and a pretty and a pretty damn good burger. I think In-N-Out is California's version of what we've been talking about, but I'm also not a big fast food burger guy, Jeff. By the way, people in this city, they'll wait in fucking drive through lines for any burger. They do it at Pete Terry's also. I don't understand. 
What's the deal with people waiting? I'm sorry. I'm going full Seinfeld here. I see people waiting in line at fucking McDonald's. And we're, we're actually waiting in line for a fast food burger. At least go to Whataburger or in and out or one of these other places. Dude, we're actually getting less expensive than those places. Now we're getting pretty good. Like people are actually agreeing with us in the comments here. Like, is that right? Whataburger is dog shit. Hell yes. Good job, people. Um, every true Texan knows it's Whataburger, okay? Or Waterburger. Sorry. He's he's getting on me for the pronunciation. That's fine. <laughs> Waterburger. Yeah, guess Waterburger. what? Guess what? That burger's got as, about as much taste as water. Thank you, Roy, by the way. Mr. T was in the Skechers ad. That Skechers doesn't have a T in it. That's That was the bit, but Mr. T looked fragile. And I will not back down from that. Here are the dog. Waterburger's dog shit. Double D. Torchies will almost always mess up your order. That is a huge problem if that's happening. Uh, CB, oh, sorry, keep going. Torchy blows. Taco Deli queso kicks their ass. What were uh, you going to say about CB? He was agreeing with you on on that water burger has fallen off since the Chicago people bought him. That's supposedly a real thing. Look, it happens. I used to love Schlotzky's. Schlosky's got, I think they filed for bankruptcy or got bought out or something. The quality of product changed. Now, I've actually heard that they've gone back to their roots and it's gotten good again. I don't know that for sure. Oh, I got a another good fast food one from my fellow Californians. Like I'll say I'll say that it's I'll say that it's Whataburger for Texas, but I can also admit that like as much as I love In N Out, I can understand where people are coming from if they're like, hey, this has been way overhyped. Yeah. And they think it's a little overrated. But my favorite thing with the amount of fellow Californians I have here in the Austin area, I love when people go like, well, it's just not the same as it is in California. I mean, the in and outs just not the same. It's just, I mean, come on. And I immediately, I'm like, they're like expecting me to agree. And I just go, bro, it tastes, it tastes the exact same. I love it just as much in Texas as I do in California. Like, I guess maybe the patty is coming from a different source. It's still the same type of patty. They still cook it the same way. And I think it still tastes just as good when I'm sitting in Austin, Texas, as when I'm sitting in Los Angeles, California. And I enjoy it, you know. But again, it's all it's all fun to have these fast food conversations about what's what a certain place is known for. Because at the end of the day, it's all about, it's it's just all nostalgia. Like for, for Texans, it's, oh, I grew up with Whataburger, grew up going and getting that after high school football games, grew up going and getting that after, you know, whatever we would do with our family on the road, going somewhere. So it's it, the so it hits, of it. Absolutely. Right. It hits home. It hits those nostalgic chords within us and in and out does the same thing for me. You know, grew up going there. My parents would take me there as a treat. Um, we also did wait in line quite a few times, uh, probably longer than we should have to get in and out, but you know bonding experience for me and my parents uh went there after high school football games unfortunately not as many wins as i would have liked but anyway yeah that's what's fun about these food conversations and places that are known for having a certain type of restaurant or whatever it may be and and a lot of things are that way too even outside of the food world where you just hear so much about it like from somebody and you've never had it and then you finally go try it and it's like well, this was years and years of hype. Yeah. And like, it's a cheeseburger. Like, it's still just a cheeseburger. 
Exactly. Uh, okay, so I apologize if I seem distracted over the last couple of minutes. I just got this message through my door. Oh, yeah. I, I love when you get these. From my daughter. Can you see what that says? Oh, okay. Can you see what that says? Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, do you need to go? I I don't know. I'm trying to see if BK can hop on for a few minutes because I just got a message for those just listening on the app right now. Calvin is seriously hurt. They are in our driveway outside. They were shooting baskets. And I'm told my son is seriously hurt. I have no point of reference here because these kids do like to to cry wolf from time to time. And so I don't want to step away from my job because my seven-year-old isn't walking it off like I tried to teach him how to do. Or maybe he has a broken bone and I'm being the asshole parent right now bit of a rock and a hard place situation for me, Jeff, and I'm not going to leave you high and dry here. So BK is parking right right now. So in a few minutes, you and BK may be chatting while I go check to make sure that my son is not. I was going to say whatever, whatever whatever you need to do. If you need me to sit here and uh, fraternize with our wonderful commenters who have been uh, so gracious with their participation today, uh, I, I could do that. Look, I, I could uh, I could sit here and ramble. I'm not saying that's what BK wants on his platform or what uh, the people would like to hear. But, right but you know what? Your your family your family comes first. All right, guys. I'll Let's be right see. back. All right. Even Daryl says, "Run out and check. We got Jeff. People, the, 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 the people got me, BK. Look, I'm not here because of Trey. I'm here because I need to put an end to this blasphemy that you guys are spewing right now. I mean, my God, this is Texas sports unfiltered. Can we defend the state of Texas a little bit, boys? Come on now. You you know you know what you're getting with me, BK. It's the people in the comments. I was surprised by how little pushback I got in the comments. Man, every time I drive by Whataburger, there's a ridiculous line. So all these people can pretend to hate it. I guess they're trying to fit in with one another right now, but uh, they're missing out because it's it's uh, it's good. But I also like In-N-Out. I'm the rare Texan who would eat In-N-Out every day of the week and also eat Whataburger every day of the week. I mean, I'm the biggest fast food fan in the world. <laughs> so, like, you guys are just dunking on all of my favorite restaurants right now, and that that hurts. What, what do you think about Duncan? Speaking of Duncan, I'm not a coffee guy. Okay. Um, and I know that's like a, a big thing. I heard y'all talking about that. And I like, I, yeah, I don't like their donuts that much. I, I probably haven't been in like 10 years. Like there was not one by me growing up. There was just like a mom and pop donut shop that I always went to. And then like in Houston, I had access to Shipley and like their donuts are incredible. So. I don't. I couldn't tell you the last time I had a Dunkin' Donut. I I think I remember not liking it very much, though. So, yeah, the first time I had a chance to try it, I was like, okay, average donut, solid cup of coffee, a little bit overhyped. But you know what? Even as a as the Californian that I am, I can understand, even if I don't agree, why people would feel the same way about In and Out. Yeah, like it's just you. You hear so much about it. Oh, it's so great. Like I'm sure you had buddies from California. BK that would like in college at UT that would talk about in and out nonstop. And again, it was a little different because you could actually get it in Texas, but you were probably like, like it didn't hit the nostalgic personal chord with you. So you're probably just like, that's eh, all right. Solid. I'll, I'll eat it, which is how I feel about Whataburger. See, I'm very intrigued to hear Trey's update, but 
last thing I'll say on this before Trey talks about how his kids were lying about a fake injury. He uh, came back so fast. I was like, you're probably fine. <laughs> yeah. I was like concerned for a second. I'm like, shoot, what's happening? And then he got back in 30 seconds. So I feel like it's okay. But I, I am one of those guys who thinks in and out tastes better in California. Like oh. I, was in, I know. I don't know what it is. I was in San Francisco <laughs> for a wedding a couple of weeks ago and it just, I'm sure it's some bullshit nostalgia. I've never lived in California in my life. But, like, the first time I had In-N-Out was in California, like, before it ever came to Texas. And I just remember it being, like, awesome. And I guess that's the memory that I associate it with every time I'm over there. When, in actuality, it's probably the exact same thing, like you said. But I don't know what it is. Like, I think it tastes better out there than it does here. But I still love it here. I think I was about to get decked for not agreeing with those guys that were like, oh, it's just better in California. Like, they were just, like you said, we're speaking blasphemy over here. That's how they looked at me when I said that. Yeah. All right, Trey, what what happened? In fairness to you eating In-N-Out Burger in San Francisco, it does help to uh, to muffle the smell of hobo shit. So <laughs> I go outside, and Calvin is dribbling the basketball in our driveway, which is what they were doing before I got a note passed through the door that Calvin is seriously hurt. So I said, Hey, are you seriously hurt? And he said, no, but I have a scrape. So I just look at both of them. I'm like you two, like I, I didn't say anything, but I'm like, you two, we're, we're going to have a conversation about seriousness of claims when I am on the air here going forward. So BK, oh. thank you for, uh, for jumping to help out. I, Apologize if you had to speed for, for the last quarter mile of your drive home. Oh, uh, we got it the rest of the way. Awesome. Our, hey, our our listeners really did take care of me too. They had all they had all kinds all kinds of stuff ready for me. Round yeah. rock donuts. I agree. I agree with you, people. I am not I am not a big donuts guy, but yeah, if I'm going to do donuts around here because they have a location in Cedar Park now, it'll be Round Rock Donuts. Mm. These comments. Yeah. I'm I'm disappointed in all of you guys. I, I'm leaving because of that more than anything else. <laughs> See you, BK. Sister's coming to visit CB in Washington in March, and she's bringing Round Rock Donuts. BK, you probably blitzed. You were probably blitzed and had the monkeys. <laughs> That's possible. I lived in California for two years and never had in and out until it came to Austin. Boy who cried. Wolf lesson. Exactly, Daryl. I've told them this story before, and man, I get animated with the boy who cried wolf story. And it, I've told it to him over the years, but they, he didn't cry wolf here. He was apparently crying for a second. She cried wolf. She was just trying to show concern for her brother, but we need to assess the situation a little bit longer the next time because he was up and playing basketball by the time I got back. Or maybe provide me an update that he's not that seriously hurt. I don't know. I don't know how this conversation is going to go. They may be sent to bed without dinner tonight, Jeff. Hey, sure hey, handle this one. You know what? I I understand. Got to have that conversation. But Trey, concerned, thoughtful, protective older sister could be worse. She's been a really good older sister today. Oh, I'm glad. very good traits you you would you would want in any older sister. I did not get to talk about this with BK, so I'm glad you and I get to talk about it before the end of today's show because each of my kid was rooting for a different team last night. Vivian. Perhaps the Taylor Swift factor. She was rooting for the Chiefs. He's also a Mahomes fan. And Calvin, who has taken a liking to Christian McCaffrey in the Madden video game, oh. was a Niners fan. Well, Calvin had apparently been chirping at school all last week 
talking trash to all the Chiefs fans, which, by the way, seven-year-old kids are all bandwagoners. Of course, they're all yeah. going to like the Chiefs. Like, how do we have that many Chiefs fans in Cedar Park? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are there that many KC transplants? Yeah, maybe a few Texas Tech people who have taken to the Chiefs, but even still, I'm skeptical of that, too. So it's all Chiefs fans. Well, he's chirping all last week, saying the 49ers were going to win. And so they end up going to bed at the end of the third quarter last night, so close to 9 o'clock, I want to say. Just a little bit after their bedtime, but it's the Super Bowl. We'll let them stay up a little bit later. All kids are going to be zombies today. Wakes up this morning, and or I wake him up this morning. I'm like, hey, buddy, time to get up. You got to jump in the shower before school. He immediately asks me who won. And I said, well, the Chiefs won. They came back and won the game. They came back, and 49ers took a lead two different times near the end and in overtime, but ultimately the Chiefs won. He starts crying. And I'm like, why are you crying right now? He said, because all the kids are going to be mean to me about the Chiefs beating the 49ers. And I said, well, a couple questions here. One, were you talking trash about the 49ers all last week and how they were going to beat the Chiefs? He said, yeah. I said, all right, we'll make a mental note of that. Do not chirp too much before the game happens. Even if you're feeling confident, you can be confident and not let everybody know about it and talk trash about their team. And like the other thing, and this will help you disarm this with anybody who comes up to you today, they start tra- talking trash to you. Just give them a fist bump. Say good game. So that was, you guys played a great game. That was a, a fun football game and you guys won. Congratulations. And that'll end it in its tracks. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, all right, I'm just trying to help you out here. You're, you're the one that's shedding tears about a team that you didn't care about three months ago. I'm just trying to help you out here. I didn't say that. I was just thinking it though, even though he did tell me that he wasn't going to do what I was, I was suggesting he do. So I pick him up from school just before this show starts. And he seemed pretty happy. He seemed pretty upbeat. He seemed pretty chipper. Found out it's because some girl asked him to be your Valentine, which isn't surprising. He's an adorable, adorable, funny kid. He's a class clown. He's adorable. Um, but, uh, so I asked him, I'm like, Hey, did anybody give you crap about the 49ers? And he said, no, I said, Oh, so you were, you were overly concerned about that. When most of these kids don't give a flip about any of this stuff, you're the one who actually cares more about football and knows more about football too. Mind you, this kid was predicting plays last night. He was like, run pass, run. He's calling penalties out before the, the, uh, the umpire has said anything to the cameras with the microphone on. He is really bright with football. And I, I think. Got a young Tony Romo in there. Hundred well, uh, a little bit more astute than Tony Romo. Some I was going to say, say, and he's Calvin's already more polished. Yeah, but uh, so he found that he's he's finding out a couple of lessons today. The next lesson will be, hey, don't shed tears if it's a little scrape because it might uh, disrupt my attempt to uh, be a part of a YouTube broadcast from three to five. Okay. Hey, but you know what? That that lesson that you told him. When he woke up this morning, he was saying, all the kids are going to make fun of me. It reminds me of a lesson that uh, the great Brad Barker taught me at a young age, probably similar to that age, basically the same lesson, but he would always say, it was, it was something like, oh no, he would say, if you're going to dish it, you better be able to take it. Like if you're going to talk trash, then you better be able to take it when somebody talks trash back, regardless of in this case, like, if your prediction was incorrect, it, it had really nothing to do with that, but more just like, if you want to say, Oh, the chiefs are trash or this and that, you know, when it turns out that they're not, and somebody puts that back, shoves that back in your face, 
then you better be able to take it. And if you can't, then don't basically then, you know, and he said this in a more <clears throat> gentle way to a child, then don't talk shit. Yeah. That's, better dish, there's gonna be gonna a dish longer, it, you better be able to take it. There's going to be a longer conversation at the dinner table about that tonight because I want Justine to be able to hear about this. And she's been at work, so she hasn't gotten the update just yet. She's like, why are the kids being so mean to him? Or no, she, her her response this morning was, just tell them it really hurts my feelings when we talk about this, so I don't want to talk about it anymore. I said, Calvin, do not say that. I'm like, mom is trying really hard right now, but she doesn't get it. And so afterwards, I'm like, babe, he talked trash all last week. You can't say, well, I don't want to talk about it anymore. No, you made this let bed. Now you have to lie in it. And you the can disarm it pretty easily with anybody, but especially with other seven-year-old kids by just saying, you know what? Good game. That'll be that. That's it. Right. The fist bump good game idea is great because they're expecting a reaction out of you. Yep. They're going to just like he wanted the reaction out of them. And they sounds like gave him the reaction when he said, Oh, the chiefs chiefs are going to lose whatever, you know, whatever trash he was talking, they got a reaction, which is what he wanted. Now it's like, if you don't, warrant it or if you don't give it a reaction then they're probably they may keep going but at some point if you're just even keel and you're like yeah good game I'm like hey i was wrong i gotta wear it and it's like what are you supposed to say to that like what are you supposed to say to like our society is so not accustomed to people actually taking accountability so that when you do and you're wrong and you're like yeah i was wrong that wasn't a good take people are like what wait no like you're supposed to get defensive and keep digging a deeper hole, even though you were wrong. So I think I think that's a great lesson too, because I I try to be like that. Look, there's certain things where I I take the bait, and I I'll, I'll go. I'll take the Brock Purdy game manager bait. Like clearly, I've I've taken that. I took the Rodney Terry bait. You know, we we pick and choose the things that we wanna we want the bait we want to take, and if we want to get fired up about something, depends how like you know how much it riles us up for lack of a better phrase but but yeah a lot of times too like i i try to say like hey if i had a bad take yeah that was a shit take i was wrong that's the fun part of it is sometimes you win sometimes you lose sometimes your takes are great and you can take a victory lap and other times you got to be like i'm a dumbass and that was a horrible pick or a horrible take like what's the fun of if you never take accountability for it you don't know why i'm skeptical of rock purdy in 2024 jeff i just now realized this with what you just said and I appreciate all your takes because I do find myself rethinking how I think or feel about things. For instance, from today, Kyle Shanahan losing double-digit leads in three Super Bowls. Two of those are substantial. The other one was a double-digit lead in the first half, and it's not as big of a deal as the other two. The reason why I feel the way that I do about Brock Purdy is because I was in your shoes when Brock Purdy was a sophomore, junior, and senior at Iowa State. And I watched that guy not get any fucking better. And it was maddening for me as a guy who used to be the treasurer of the Matt Campbell fan club. And to watch that team underachieve Brock Purdy's last couple of years, including his last year when they had, I think they were picked to be one of the top two teams in the Big 12. That was it for me. I was done with Brock Purdy at that point. Saw him get drafted, Mr. Irrelevant. Seemed like a good kid. Happy for him that he gets drafted at all. Yeah, maybe he'll be a career backup. Like, good great. luck playing in the spring league. 
And now here he is. And I'm still expecting that Brock Purdy that we saw those last three years, a guy who didn't develop, a guy who kept shooting his team in the foot with turnovers. But no, he's, you know, he had moments in these playoffs and he's not perfect, but nobody is. Pat Mahomes included, by the way. But he is a, a bona fide starting quarterback at the NFL level now. Yeah, only one, only one quarterback yesterday threw a pick. And it was Pat Mahomes. Also, only one quarterback won the game, though. So. And it was Pat Mahomes. <laughs> Brock Purdy was not the he was not the problem for the 49ers yesterday. To your point, yeah. to your Brock Purdy game manager point. Yeah. Or uh, I think uh, somebody point. on the CBS uh, post game show was like, he's not a maybe it was James Brown. I think it was like he's not a game he's not a game manager. He's a game executive now. Ugh, <laughs> oh, that's cringe. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, hey, all right, somebody agrees with me in the national media. Somebody's somebody's not just trying to get a shock jock reaction out of the American public. All right, here's the Taylor Swift chug for anybody who hasn't seen this just yet. Yep, that's right. We're stooping to this level now. It's fine. We got, what, four and a half minutes left? Exactly, four and a half minutes. We got all the time in the world. So she's on the big screen. She sees that she's on the big screen, and so she has to chug it and slam it down. And she's with Blake. Is that Blake Lively sitting next to her? I can't tell. Yeah, yeah solid chug. Yes, I mean she. By how she slammed that down, she looks like she doesn't slam a whole lot of beers. If I'm being completely honest. So I've I've got to admit to one of my biggest personal weaknesses: slamming beers. Yes, and like I I can't shotgun a full beer. Mm. It's so embarrassing whenever someone's like. I played I played golf with a couple of buddies the other day. First time I played with them, and we were getting towards the end, and they were like, "Hey, let's let's shotgun a beer." Like it was a it was a par five, or if you you know you can eagle it if you if you're long and and you're pretty pretty good player. Um, so a couple of guys had eagle putts. I had a nice a shorter birdie putt, and they were like, "Hey, before we take these, there's like nobody behind us or in front of us. Sun was going down. Like let's shotgun a beer." And some people are afraid of public speaking. They want to avoid it at all costs. So people are afraid of other things. I am afraid of the moment in social settings when some bros want to shotgun a beer because I know I am going to look like an absolute clown. Like I can't do it. I can't, I can't finish it. I can't, I don't know why. No idea why. Just open your throat up. What? Like, why would I know how to do that? Open your throat up, like, so you, like what? The, the whole like. Stool. Well, here's your first problem. You're holding your beer up here, and you need the beer to be right here, right on your mouth, and you open your throat up. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, hey, maybe one day. Well, you, you and BK and uh, some other people that were, I guess, were better at college than I was, can uh, and show me, show me how to do that. Oh, by the way, God, they're finally about to send this to me. I only ordered this two months ago. I am about to get. Where did this go? Oh, gosh. Darn it. I think okay, I'm going to get. Special, I've got a specialty vodka coming my way that we're all going to have to try. I think it's like Doritos vodka or something. Oh. Oh, I can't think of what what exactly it is, but I ordered this two months ago and it's finally about to come our way so when we do that we may have to have a texas sports unfiltered get together and everybody takes a shot at doritos vodka i'm in for that 
All right. You know what? I think for for one of the, uh, I think I need to do this. I'll I'll spend the money. I'm gonna find like a on one of these sites. There's a million of them now that sell cool T-shirts. I'm gonna get myself a Brock Purdy T-shirt to wear wear for the show one of these days. Like, gotta find like a like a game manager T-shirt or something like that, and I'm I'm gonna wear that for the show with I'm Brock that- Purdy's face. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if one exists for sure, but there's a site that I've bought like fun Dodger T-shirts at. Like back when uh, Yasiel Puig was a Dodger and he was doing crazy shit and flipping bats and all that stuff and licking baseball bats or whatever. Um, there was there was a good couple, couple good T-shirts on this site. So uh, CB says assures. What's that? What's the website? Breaking T. Okay. Oh, yeah, I don't like I, I gotta look to see if they have anything, but there's gotta oh, be something. I found, I found the shirt for you here if you're okay wearing a charcoal shirt. Pop it up. Let's see. Because I feel like oh, let's go. Buy this motherfucker for you right now, Jeff. What size are you? Medium, large? Oh, medium. Yeah. Medium. All right. <laughs> This is yours. Right, oh I'm, man, I'm, I'm gonna a, finish this transaction. Not showing everybody my credit card number, but uh, consider, <laughs> I was like, "Is he really about to buy that right now?" Consider this coming your way. It is a thirty-eight dollar shirt too, so it's not cheap. But I'm buying it for you. Oh, Speaking I will. Of, I will rock that every show for two weeks straight. This is from uh, Homage, which is a really good company. Like they've got good quality T-shirts too, even though even if they're expensive. So yeah, you're. You're about to get a Brock Purdy shirt. Awesome. Coming your way, buddy. All yeah, right. Just feel like it needs to happen. It's become a bit and it, it needs to happen. It's it's happening. It's happening. Good job today. Enjoy Friday. We'll talk on Monday. I'll hopefully have some good water park stories to share with <laughs> you and others. Yeah, I'll, I'll love and, to hear the Kalahari review. And welcome to the off season, everybody. It's here. Thanks to everybody for tuning in today. If you're on YouTube right now, please click that thumbs up button. Subscribe to the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel if you have not already. And download that free app through the Apple or Google Play app stores. Just search Texas Sports Unfiltered. For Jeff Barker and everybody else here at Texas Sports Unfiltered, I am Trey Elling. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We will be back with you tomorrow bright and early. Well, not too early. 8 a.m. Bucky and BK. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the day and night and welcome.